8.09 nearly. So just how far apart are Seoul and Washington on the question of military cost sharing? Negotiations in Hawaii last week were far from conclusive amid greater calls from US President Donald Trump for allies to bear more costs and responsibility for their own regional security. And actually, a new memoir by Guy Snodgrass, former chief speechwriter for ex-US Defence Secretary Jim Mattis, has come to the centre with Trump apparently, according to this memoir, calling for South Korea to pay a lot more, labelling South Korea a major abuser, claiming Seoul should pay $60 billion US dollars a year for US troops, around 12 times bigger than the huge figure that Seoul's already balking at, that of $5 billion that Washington is reported to have called for in these latest negotiations. Let's uh, welcome on the line Dr. Oh Jong-yup, Senior Researcher at the Sejong Institute. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank you for joining us. What are your thoughts on the crisis claim that recent developments on cost sharing, on the OPCON transfer, the break-in at the US ambassador's home by Korean students... Are these all painting a picture of a problem in this relationship? Yeah, there, there are certainly uh, concerns raised with uh, observers and uh, many people, uh, both in Seoul and Washington, with regard to the current state of the RK-US alliance. The, the problem is that uh, the, whether those issues or those crises can be resolved rather quickly or really be worsened in the future. So maybe the, the breaking into the ambassador's residence can, can be resolved rather quickly compared to other issues. But the uh, cost sharing negotiations and upcon transfers and like GSOMIA issues, uh, the, the problem is that it, it doesn't look good that it can be resolved in the near future. Right, yeah, we, we throw GSOMIA in the mix as well because we know the U.S. is really trying to pressure South Korea to renew that military intelligence sharing agreement with Japan. But um, from November 23rd, as things stand, it will fall apart and, and, and the trilateral stand against North Korea starts to look a little weaker. Uh, but mm-hmm. these two-day talks in Hawaii last week concentrated on military cost sharing, or primarily that's what they should have been about. Maybe some of those other issues came into play. The fact that every year now we've got to go through this negotiation process, how do you expect talks to unfold? Yeah, so we did not know uh, much details uh, yet about the current state of the negotiations. Only thing that we know for sure is that there are like big discrepancies between two parties. And we all know that, and as you already mentioned, that President Trump like uh, $5 billion de- made, uh, made $5 billion increase in the demand whether with the current structure of the special measures agreement, even if South Korean government wanted to increase uh, its, co- its cost-sharing part, it, it's, it's not really easy with the current structure of the special measures agreement. So they either have to add more categories in the special measures agreement to increase, or they need to change uh, so far in the first place. So I think it's going to be very a tough negotiation between two parties. Maybe South Korea benefits, well, definitely South Korea benefits from this military relationship. But to put it in those terms completely ignores the benefits the United States 
gets. And I still hear some American citizens telling me that uh, they're not really getting much out of this alliance. But 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 most experts agree that actually the U.S. gets a lot strategically out of being placed here, and we're even seeing talk of of military officials from both sides discussing OPCON and the U.S. reportedly proposing to expand the concept of its combined crisis management operations with Seoul, which is currently limited to contingencies on this peninsula to, to, to wider uh, U.S. contingencies. So, so knowing that and potentially much more going on behind the scenes, can, can you actually see Seoul yielding to Washington's demand to raise the cost even as high as $5 billion U.S. dollars in one year? Uh- yeah, it, it is true that, like, the Korean government is under the like, hard pressure from the U.S. government, and President Trump seems like he sticks to the, like, this five, five billion figure, and we don't know where this five billion, billion figure came from. So, <clears throat> so I think it's also the problem for the U.S. negotiators that how they can make five billion out of the current structure. So it's going to be very difficult. And with the like upcoming transfers and the role of like CFC combined forces command in the future, and you mentioned that the crisis management issues. So it's going to be all. It's going to be very difficult for South Korean government to reject one thing and accept the other. But the problem is that even if we want to increase the money uh, this time, but there's a limitation. So I think that. The U.S. government and the U.S. negotiators has to admit that there's a limitations of how much we can increase in terms of the uh, special measures agreement. So uh, we, we have to see how this negotiation is evolving. What do you personally make of the U.S. demands on on OPCON, though, uh, and, uh, about what Washington is potentially suggesting here? So uh, it, it's not officially like... Uh, officially made public by both sides, either either side, that U.S. is demanding to change the scope of the crisis management at the future combined uh, forces command. Uh, the one thing that uh, was made public by the report yesterday was that uh, U.S. government uh, demanded to include uh, another clause in the crisis management, which is currently limited to the events on the Korean Peninsula, but they want to add the uh, events threatening the United States. And uh, current, the mutual defense treaty between ROK and U.S., uh, it, uh, Article 3 of the defense treaty articulates that the prob- the, uh, each party has to recognize that armed attack in the Pacific area. So if... Uh, our South Korean government's obligation to the United States is limited to the like Pacific area, then it can conform to the, to the upper uh, treaty, which is the mutual defense treaty. So we have to see how they are going to adjust their demands, uh, which can conform to the, the upper treaty, uh, which is the mutual defense treaty. I understand. Um, can we read a little further though into the U.S. intention? I, I think... While we are, of course, in the shadows and we can't state any of this categorically because we're not involved in these negotiations, mm-hmm. it, it could take us into the mindset of the two sides. If, for example, there's this suspicion that actually the US is trying to get a lot more out of this military presence and and operational control. 
So the with the cost sharing issues, the problem is that U.S. demands more from its uh, alliance, allies and partners. So from the cost issues that U.S. demand uh, Korea, Japan, and its NATO uh, allies to pay more for the cost of U.S. military presence in the region. And in terms of the scope of the operations that U.S. demand uh, its allies and partners to do more because all the treaties that they make with the allies is mutual defense treaty. It's not the unilateral provision of the security by the United States to the, its allied partners. So as, as uh, we, we, we have grown more when we made the mutual defense treaty with the United States, U.S. is demanding more. So uh, <clears throat> for the upgraded nature of the relations for the U.S. ROK alliance, I think we have to think how we can modify the obligations that is described in the treaty between two countries. It's possible, though, that uh, there's not much time left to have to negotiate with the Trump administration. We don't know what's going to happen with next year's election, of course, yet. Will there be a feeling in Seoul that they've just got to do a deal with Trump now and try to limit the damage as much as possible and then work with the next administration? Yeah, that, that, that's one possibility that, that the one-year agreement last year made between two countries about cost sharing, there was a clause that it can be extended one year if two parties agreed. So we can wait until we can wait one more year to see what kind of uh, political outcome that we can see in the United States. Then we can delete another uh, government. But the risk of doing that is that it, it might be like insert. Uh, President Trump might fear that he's inserted. So yeah. we don't know how, how he's going to act. Yeah, I understand. And frankly, mm-hmm. at this point, I, I, I certainly wouldn't want to bet very much against him winning the presidency, uh, mm-hmm. give, given the question marks over who would stand against him and, and so on. Um, Dr. U, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you with us on the line today. Thank you so much. Dr. U Jung-yeop, senior researcher at the Sejong Institute.